Welcome to the Decent Crypto Podcast. Today is Saturday, September 17th. We are live in the proof of stake world. I'm here with Matthew Blumberg, who has an ETH tattoo on his arm. Matt, how you feeling after the merge party? Oh, there it is. Look at that beauty. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling steak. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We might have to drop that one. Um, yeah, we are both vegetarian for, I'm not feeling for our steak. moms out there. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we have merch. Uh, yeah, uh, we're so, feeling uh, good. We we threw a fantastic merge party. Yeah, we, we finally recovered from the merge party. It was uh, it was yes. pretty, it was pretty solid. We partied like it was block number one to four. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to take all day off yesterday. Um, really? It was um, no, no. I I was working. Um, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've been so. taking I've been taking meetings um, like the last couple of days. All right, so we had so we had the merge uh, like uh, Wednesday night, right? Um, and it, it went kind of late, and so all day Thursday I was opening every meeting with "Happy Merge, everyone." I might be a little slow today, you know, uh, and I literally did not meet a single other person in my professional life that stayed up to watch the merge. Um, oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. you know, ev- everyone I met was just like, yeah, you know, it was, well, so here's, here's how it all went down. Um, around, uh, like around Monday, uh, we started to get the indications that, that the miners were starting to shut down their hash power. Um, mm. and then Tuesday slowed down even further. Um, mm. so first- I think I'll say these three words last time, the merge happens when we reach a specific total terminal difficulty, that difficulty started slowing down that total terminal difficulty, like the rate at which we were reaching that number, it started slowing down because all these miners started going offline. Right. So. Yeah. They started doing that. Why? Why why would they do that? Wouldn't they um, want to capture all of the block rewards that they can? You'd think so, but for a lot of people it was like, all right, I don't want to like overshoot it and um, you know, it's it's been a good ride. I've had the you know, my miner turned on for, you know, the last like several years and what's another, you know, couple of days, right? Um also like you might have people that are trying to sell their miners. So if you look at any of the data, um, it, de- it does look like most of the hash power that came offline the first couple weeks of September was just completely going offline. It wasn't getting added to, to ETH Classic. Um, mm-hmm. To give you an idea, over the first 10 days of September, the Ethereum network lost more hash power than the entire hash power of ETH Classic. Mm. Okay. So, um, so, so, so it clearly wasn't just like being shifted to that other chain. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, uh, so that happened Monday that started to kind of take place Monday. And then that's when indications started to appear that the merge was going to be a little bit delayed. Yeah. Cause we had been, we'd been quoting Tuesday, you know, at first it was Thursday, then it was Wednesday, then it was Tuesday. And then it started to shift back toward Wednesday. And then it started to shift back toward a late Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so going into Wednesday, and it was technically Thursday, Thursday, early morning, Thursday, New UTC. York time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah, it was well, even we, here. Yeah. It was like one yeah, thirty in the morning, two a.m. Yeah, our best guess was around one one a.m. Uh, like all day Wednesday, basically. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a point when it was going to be twelve thirty, then it shifted to one, then it shifted to like one thirty, and as of uh, even as of like ten thirty p.m., we thought it was going to be at one thirty New York. Mm-hmm. Time. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went home, I changed into my comfiest merge PJs, uh, fired mm-hmm. up the laptop and it just mm-hmm. kept slowing. Um, and you know, you can see on, there's a website bordel.wtf, which now just says yay merge. Uh, it used to show like the countdown, uh, to the, to the total terminal difficulty when we would have the merge and every 10 minutes it would refresh and it would be like, Oh man, hash power went to what? It started at, you know, 780 and then 750 and then 700. It was, it was not great. Um, and so, uh, you started seeing all these tweets where people were like tweeting about how, like, you know, basically Vitalik was holding the miners at gunpoint, telling them to dig their own graves. Uh, or, uh, or you had like, um, you know, a lot of tweets going around, like, keep your fucking miners plugged in, you cowards. <laughs> like, march to your death with some honor. Um, <laughs> So, uh, uh, there was, there was a great post on the, uh, ETH miner, uh, like Reddit, uh, where, uh, it was a guy playing the bagpipes as he unplugged his miners, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> setting them good. off in style. Uh, so, uh, look, if there's one thing I could say, it's that the memes have gotten just a little better. Uh, over <laughs> the they used to be just horrifyingly bad. The Bitcoin <laughs> memes were, were killer in like the 2017, 18 range. And the yeah. ETH memes were so bad, they've gotten better. It's gotten a little wow. better. Wow. The, yeah, <laughs> the, <flipping. laughs> the meme flipping. The meme flipping. And, uh, and so as, as the merge approached, like you started to read about some kind of interesting projects, right? Uh, like, did you see any of these NFT projects where like the goal is to get your, uh, mint in, in the last pre-merge block? Last block. The, yeah. There's yeah. one, I think it's called sunset. And then there's another one called sunrise where, uh, your, the goal is to get, to get your in the mint first in the block. first, the first proof mm. of stake block. Um, That's cool. I thought those were super interesting. Somebody paid, uh, I forget, I think it was like 30 ETH or something to buy out the, the last block. Uh, like, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what did they, what, what did they do with the last block? The last block just, just has one transaction. Mint. It's just one mint. It's okay. just one mint. How cool is interesting. that? Interesting. Yeah. And what is the mint exactly? It's a, uh, it's some NFT, uh, to commemorate the bridge. Uh, mm. okay. Does it look cool? Uh, I, you know, I didn't even look. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, we all know it's not about the art anyways. Um, yeah. None of this kidding. is about the art. It's they're, they're all coins with, with pictures. <laughs> they're all, they're all altcoins with JPEGs. Um, okay. So, uh, so, so last anyway, block, like, yeah, last so block the, looked like one transaction. What did the first block look like? Uh, the first block on proof of stake was, was pretty normal. Um, uh, you had a lot of people that were, uh, submitting failed transactions to try to mint that, that last block NFT. There, there were a lot of failed transactions there. Fair, um, yeah. Yeah. There were a bunch of people that were canceling transactions. Uh, mm. so, so the way that kind of looks in the, uh, sorry, I'm a little stuffed up for the merge party. Um, mm. the, the way that would look in, in practice is you submit a transaction. So when you have your wallet, right. Uh, you have a nonce, right. And you increment your nonce for every transaction that you submit. Uh, and that way, like everyone knows like the order in which you submitted transactions, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. provable. Um, yeah. well, if you want to cancel a transaction, you submit a conflicting transaction at the same nonce, right? At the same, at the same level. So say this is okay. your 50th transaction that you've sent on Ethereum. Uh, you submit another one with that same identifier as this is, this one's actually my 50th with a higher gas price. And then that one gets out of the block before this one, ideally. Okay. I see. Yeah. Um, so a lot of cancellations, um, people canceling mints basically. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and that transaction, looks like a transfer of zero ETH, uh, 
and and so you see this a lot on on various blocks. You'll see like transfer from me to me zero ETH. Uh, mm. and that's like the cheapest possible transaction you can send, right? Okay, gotcha. And yeah. then in the in the ensuing couple of blocks, where there, was there anything super interesting happening, or is it just kind of standard transactions? People are like, okay, the chain is live. We can now start doing our normal daily activity, start doing swaps, start doing transfers, things like that. Or was there anything yeah. super notable? I mean, there were some, there were some mints of, uh, you know, celebratory post merge NFTs. Yeah. Um, okay. And then there were, uh, some, some repayments of like Ave loans, like people that had been mm. borrowing ETH to try to, try to farm that airdrop, uh, yeah. repaying, repaying their Ave loans. That yeah, one's not which, quite as time sensitive, right? Because you can repay your Ave loan really at any time and you're just kind of paying interest in the meantime. Uh, well, but, it is a little time sensitive on the other chain, right? Because yes, you want to cash those assets out as soon as possible. The other chain is where it gets most interesting. So mm -hmm. immediately following um, the, uh, the, like, the merge block, right? Um, on ETHW, the proof of work ETH chain, yeah. that, that, that mm -hmm. side of the fork. Um, yeah. Uh, you had a couple of interesting things. The first was something like 12 hours of just empty blocks with zero transactions. You can see this in Block Explorer. Um, and then the next literal zero. Yeah. Um, like literally zero, like, like, uh, you know, uh, a thousand blocks or thousands of blocks where like the, where there were actually just zero transactions in each of the blocks. And so um, what happens in that case exactly? Right. So zero transactions are going through the blocks. Does a miner still mine that block and they still are, you know, still trying to find the nonce that's actually going to, uh, you know, get to the whatever number of leading zeros and then they get the block reward? Like, is that still how it works? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, the nonce is still going to be different because part of the block data is the prior block's hash. Yeah, uh, and right. so, like, you, you know, you still have that. Like, You still have to put the work in. Yeah, exactly. Mm, okay. Um, and, uh, and that was still happening. Like people were actually mining the chain. I mean, the miners were, were, were actually mining the chain, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Them, right? right. But you didn't have that core piece of infrastructure to support like the mempool and support like people like broadcasting transactions on the network. Um, it must, it might've been mm. a setting. It might've just been like that the miners collectively agreed they weren't going to allow that or they weren't going to you know, include any transactions in the first N blocks. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you didn't see any transactions for the first like 12 hours. It was just empty blocks. Okay. And then that first non-empty block was just a bunch of Uniswap, right? It was a bunch of Uniswap action to swap stable coins or whatever for, um, for ETHW. Um, yeah. And that must have been nothing but MEV, right? Uh, I mean, there's a question as to like who executed these transactions, right? So, okay. um, so like it could be people like you and me, but we would need to know like how to submit them, whatever. And then we would bid a certain amount of gas and like maybe gets included that way. Uh, yeah. it could be that the miners themselves have sta were holding stable coins and they included these okay. transactions as a way to make a little money. Um, mm -hmm. and so they actually submitted them, right? Uh, it could be the case that like Flashbot supports now ETHW. I don't, I don't think it does out of the box. Um, but that, that's, you know, that would be one way it could be MEV. Um, but basically the difficulty in get, and like the, the lack of transparency around how to get your transactions included into this blockchain was pretty strong. Um, and like, you know, where do you go for an RPC endpoint and all of that? 
it seems likely that like whoever submitted these transactions had some kind of involvement with, with the miners themselves. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. I guess that is what I meant by MEV, right? It's basically just, it might be the miners. It might be people who are paying off the miners. Yeah. yeah like bribing the miners in some ways, like wh- whatever it is, right? It's, you have to be like, there was no way that you and I were going to get those transactions through. I think, uh, I, I think must, that's, we I think paid that's pretty... some crazy, crazy, crazy amount. Like, I don't know, 30 ETH in, in one block. Yeah. Um, that, that's a pretty reasonable take on it. Um, it, you know, anytime that like ordering matters, uh, and here like ordering was extremely important, I mean, mm-hmm. although I was interested to see that like a lot of the transactions were not that big, it would be like in the five or six digit, or, you know, five or six figure range of USDC getting swapped for, for ETHW. Um, so, you know, I just thought that was interesting. I would have, I would have expected it to be in the millions. Yeah, I guess maybe the players are not as big as we anticipated that they're <laughs> like trying to farm this Ooh. and trying to make this whole thing happen. The size is um, not size. Yeah, the size is not size. Dude, uh, our bet, not a bet, our uh, handshake wow. bet, uh, yeah. ETH Classic, ETH W. Absolutely. Uh, the true flipping. Yeah, um, ETH Classic seems ETH to Classic have is, the, the Lindy yeah. effect, maybe. Um, Lindy effect, baby, the Barry effect. It's, there's also there's also this thing uh, this notion of the fork wars. You want to talk about the fork wars? Yes, I have been talking about the fork wars. Um, yeah, dude, there's just so much incentive to launch as many of these chains as possible. Like EW has basically nothing going for it uh, aside from like I don't know a few developers that were like or, or I don't know a few anon developers a few anon developers <laughs> that have said like oh like we really believe in this idea and like we want to preserve the chain and so like everybody should support it and uh that is really it right so I I, I didn't really see a reason that it should hold too much value but at the same time other miners would see that other miners and other sophisticated players, including Justin Sun, somebody I called out as a prime candidate to launch a fork, um, are very much incentivized and very much going to be able or were going to be able and now are able to execute the same playbook um, and, and tweak things a little bit. And it's, you know, for the most part, it's like, uh, Who's gonna? Who's the buyer? Um, so the so other yeah, question I, is like, where, where, where are they buying? You know um, what I mean? Like until yeah. like like well, I can't buy. So, I would like to buy some ETW, for example, because mm-hmm. um, like you know, shout out to like one of my friends who like had a, a pretty interesting trade idea. Uh, was basically like, look, isn't this like kind of a hedge if there's any kind of censorship, right? It, it, when that day comes, ETW will pump right you, you would think at least and so wait until it sells off and then and then buy you know once everybody's sort of done collecting their airdrop and and selling it you can step in and buy a little bit as like a hedge um i would like to buy some right uh but i can't uh like there's, mm. there's no there's nowhere for me to do that well aren't there some exchanges that are supporting it now um like, i don't i don't know i mean i i can't use X, right what about um, bitfinex I think uh, Bitfinex. Can Americans use Bitfinex? Yeah. Oh. Um, Wait, we can. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I got yeah. to stop recording. I got, I got some uh, shit to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but uh also but yeah i think these these forks but that's what it comes down to right like so we're seeing ethereum fair right poloniax pulled this move where instead of supporting ETHW, they're supporting ethereum fair which is this <laughs> other fork and who knows who it's supported by and what the <clears throat> kind of background is around it there's also this big group of uh you know developers who are there's about 20 minutes ago, they tweeted, we're about to hold the first offline meeting of the developer and operations community on DAO in San Francisco. Hashtag ETF, hashtag meetup, hashtag ETF DAO. So um, that's happening. It's going to be listed on Poloniex. I'm sure Justin Sun owns a big part of it or who knows, right? So if this pumps even a little bit, if the people here make like... I don't know, a couple million bucks. Like it'll happen again. Uh, you can bank on that. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this is not bankless. <laughs> this is, you can bank. Hey, um, yeah, I like that one. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the incentive is to fork, right? The incentive is to fork basically as many times as as like people will as people will stomach, right? Uh, as people, mm-hmm. like as long as people are willing to like step in and provide liquidity and like. Get, take that gamble, then your incentive is to create the gambling opportunity and be the house yes. the seller, right? As uh, somebody said to me recently, people have paid a lot more for a lot less. So <laughs> I, I think a, one or maybe two of these forks will work out in a small way, and that's enough for, I don't know, some charlatans to make a little bit of money. And look, I, I mean, uh, like this is look, this what happens, unfortunately. It, ETH, if ETH Fair is having an offline meeting, that's like one more meeting than ETH Classic is having. Mm, you know true. what I mean? Like, that it, is, uh, well, it's I mean, it's easy to tweet that you're having a meeting, right? Like, what, <laughs> what goes on in that meeting? Yeah, that's true. We tweeted we were having meeting. a merge party and we fucking had one. Um, that was a like, killer, killer party. Yeah. Um, we need to the, tweet out the highlight reel just to uh, induce <laughs> yes. some FOMO. Yeah, we do have a highlight um, reel, and it's, it's yeah. fucking sick. It's really good. The, f- <laughs> the FOMO of the week is on behalf of all of our listeners that we're not able to make it. Um, next time, next merge. <laughs> next merge, yeah, exactly. YOMO, you only um, merge once. Um, the flippening party. Um, <laughs> uh, so look, like, um, I think, uh, you know, and then look, the other thing is you're holding this meeting in SF. Who's going to check? No one lives in SF anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. People. Like, it's yeah. it's not hard to say you're holding an offline meeting on DAO. Um, <laughs> so, like, what what does that even yeah, mean? What? <laughs> uh, ETF DAO. Uh, ETF DAO. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, this all just smells of uh, 2017 era pump and dump. Um, look, none of this is surprising. The good old days. If you days. listen to any, anything part two to part seven uh we were calling for the fork wars this is going to happen uh don't get caught in this crossfire about trying to like do anything stupid like farm airdrops or do anything like that i do think part of the dump is like uh, people farming the airdrop too like part of like eth going down so much is um obviously is the most obvious sell the news event in the world um again (laughs) if you listen to any parts from two to seven uh, you you would have known that, but also I do think people were trying to farm the airdrop, and some people I'm sure did get caught caught in the crossfire. But these fork wars will continue. Don't get caught. Yep. Um, 
just real quick. Anything? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just, just like one number that I'll throw out there is uh, ETHW is still trading at sixty basis points on ETH. Dude, that's insane. It's down ninety percent in the last like week. Wasn't it six percent? Uh, like maybe no, nah, maybe two weeks ago. It was. Um, it was. It was like three percent. Okay, it was at six percent. Maybe like. Three, Did it ever hit? Six? I mean, yeah, like yeah, for oh, sure. Definitely, but, uh, definitely. but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at VWAP, like the only number you can really count is the one right now, right? <laughs> um, like, I don't know what VWAP means. Volume weighted average price. Uh, oh, so yeah, it actually that's just, it like, pumped. That's just, it pumped. These are to... just words, bro. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Okay, so according to CoinGecko, it was hovering around three percent forever, basically. Then it started to slide, uh, like last week, week before, down to one point five percent pumped again going into the merge to over 3% and then mm. immediately dumped to 69 basis points. Nice. And now it's at about 58 basis points. Um, nice. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I swear uh, for at one point I, I thought it was at like six to 8%, like right when it first uh, got listed on Poloniex. I think CoinGecko um, was doing some normalization where like, they're not counting the like, you know, one ETH like volume. Random like yeah, features. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, that's fair. So regardless down 80% then, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's on the inevitable decline to zero. What, what is the volume even like? The inevitable decline to zero. (laughs) (laughs) The long, Um, long road to zero. (laughs) um, Um, we are all dear listener on the long, long road to zero here. Uh, yeah, look, um, it, it was it was basically the most obvious sell the news event for sure. Look, I bought a little ETH going in because I was like, I want to buy a little ETH going in, but I didn't mm-hmm. think it was like a great price to do it at, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, the thing about it is it's a little bit like the happening, right? Like where people point to like Bitcoin has this happening where like the, the incremental Bitcoin being mined drops by 50%. And when that happens, um, like it's supposed to make the price go up because now supply is small relative to demand. Uh, But it takes six months or so. And, you know, it's unclear whether it takes six months or so because of that or because, you know, of other reasons. And, you know, like sometimes in crypto, like um, a coincidence is enough to create a pattern uh, where like now everybody expects it to take six months or so. And so everyone's going to buy in in six months or so. You know what I mean? Um, so like everybody's sitting here like, okay, we've seen what happens with Bitcoin happenings. Happening happens, take six months or so for the price to start increasing. I'm going to wait until five months or so and then I'll start buying. And then that in and of itself can drive people to start buying more. And then like price goes up. Uh, so we have that, but we have the exact counter effect in that everybody who ended up staking has their ETH locked up right now. And that's going to get unlocked about six months from now. Uh, sort of, right? Like a huge amount of the people that have ETH staked have it staked in these liquid staking derivatives, these LSDs. Uh, and they so, do, like, but I don't think it's that massive. Like, I think a lot of people just blindly staked with Coinbase or, you know, like. Right, but, the, but they've been given their Coinbase ETH. Yeah, but it's at a massive discount. Uh, currently, you know, actually the gap closed. Oh, is it trading back at parity? It's not quite a parody, but it's a lot fucking higher. It's to the point, I think it's like 96% or something. Okay. Still, dude, nobody wants to uh, put in their money, have have it locked up. The price went down like 50% 
to 80%, depending when you bought it. And then now it's like, well, yeah, you can have it back now at 4% less. It's like, who, who's going to feel good about that? Uh, it's down, it sounds like 80%, right? Like, or, you know, like it's already down bad. You know, do you really care about the 4% rounding error? Like, no, I think like, I think if you really needed that liquidity, you sold as soon as Coinbase became available. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, it's just not a, like who staked in the first hundred blocks of the beacon chain's existence, like people that are going to hold their ETH, right? Like I, I, I think that when withdrawals are enabled on the beacon chain, um, I think it will not necessarily tank the price of ETH. Interesting because of Lido staked ETH because of Coinbase ETH. Okay. And because and because of the the nature of the the people that participated in this, mm. like if, if you staked a year and a half ago, like you probably aren't like the kind of person that will fire that will paper hands it as soon as you're allowed, right? You've probably written it off. Uh, that's actually hope, a good you know, point. Like, yeah. So maybe it's the inverse effect. Maybe that's the buy the news event. That we I all think, need. yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll, I think people will be feel bearish going in, uh, mm -hmm. because okay, there's a huge unlock, right? Um, but in reality, uh, like a, uh, it takes a while, like say everyone wants to unstake there, there's a queue, right? Like you can't just unstake all of this ETH at the same time for, for security reasons. And also cause like proof of stake assumes, assumes a certain like, like, uh, stability of validator set, at least like within epics. And so you, you can only like let a certain amount of ETH on stake at a time. Um, but, uh, like you also have this opposite effect of people like me that are going to look and be like, well, of course I'm just going to stake all my ETH. Right. Like, you know, any, anything that I don't need immediate access to, like to buy a JPEG or whatever, I'm just going to stake it. Cause you know, like, it, you know, staking is not like yield, uh, staking is, if you don't stake, you're getting penalized, right? Um, like that's, that's yeah. how you see it. Um, okay. and, and so, uh, so anything, any, like any ETH that I'm just sitting on, I'm going to stake it. And I feel much more comfortable doing that once withdrawals are enabled. I mean, I feel comfortable today, but a lot of people will feel more comfortable once withdrawals are enabled. And so it, it'll sort of, I, I think you'll see more ETH trying to get in than ETH trying to get out at that point. Hmm. Nice. Okay. So not financial advice, but buy ETH in six months. Um, um, the, the one effect that you are going to have though, is that like the, the differentials of like Lido staked ETH or Coinbase staked ETH are going to, are going to shrink substantially as that arbitrage opportunity presents itself. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is, yeah. which is actually like your indicator that it might not be a sell the news event, right? Like if people are very comfortable trading these liquid staking products at just about parity, it's like, all right, like nobody's really in a hurry to sell right now. Yeah. Um, um, and then I think every time you see that like liquidity demand and, you know, you see a, a blowout in the spread, like that's, mm -hmm. if you're a long-term like holder of ETH, like that's a very profitable way to enter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's true. Yeah. Not financial advice, of course, but uh, buy ETH in six months, buy liquid staking <laughs> the tokens when they go down. This is not financial not advice. Not financial advice. <laughs> um, all right, Matt, absolutely Man, not. We've done good. seven episodes good to, like, plus 10 merged. recaps. It feels good to be merged. It feels good to both be merged and to have these fork wars happen and for them to all be on the steady decline to zero. 
Uh, it's good. It's good. Order, order feels, <laughs> order feels like it's being restored to the universe. <laughs> the long road to zero, the, the Luna UST story. <laughs> All right, Matt, which do you want to talk about first? Um, Mr. Well, Joseph slightly... R. Biden or Mr. Do Kwan? Um, well, I man, <laughs> tough choice here. <laughs> uh, let's talk just briefly about the, um, there was, there was a report on like energy usage, uh, coming out of, uh, some branch of the, was, was it the DOE or was, was this one also the White House? It was also the White it was, House. It was, right? it was the White House. Yeah. So White House, White House is coming in hot. They got two brand new releases. White Double House has takes. Dude, this they is might like need the... to start a podcast. Have they considered that? <laughs> this is like the um uh i mean look we can barely figure out how to get the podcast or can you think the white house can do it <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. speak for yourself i'm, I'm good here um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um i think joe biden can figure it out dude have you seen him talk <laughs> if he's given explicit step-by-step instructions on where to sit and how to position the microphone uh you know uh maybe, maybe he can figure it out um but, uh, okay, so first report coming out of the White House on energy usage from proof of work, right? Uh, and this is kind of contentious because a lot of people think that the government is effectively going to try and step in and pass laws uh, dictating how energy can and cannot be used. Mm-hmm. This Pretty, is like uh, way more market here. This is way more risky now, right? Because now it's just Bitcoin. And like, mm. that's not great. We don't, we don't love that because we can't point to Bitcoin the way we can point to Ethereum. Like when we point to Ethereum, we can say, look, there's improved financial access, stable coins, right? Uh, creators are getting paid. Like they're, you know, they're provable good aspects of these rails, right? With Bitcoin, that argument becomes much more theoretical, right? Uh, and I'm not saying that Bitcoin doesn't, pro- doesn't provide very large amounts of public good. I, I, I truly believe it does. I think that its benefits substantially outweigh its risks. Or it's, it's, I was you know, like, yo, problems. yo, this is not about to become a Bitcoin FUD podcast. I'm about yeah. to go in if that oh, is. The case. Oh yeah, I mean, we should we should both go in, but um, uh, you know, and I, I I don't meet a lot of people that are prepared to go in to defend Bitcoin, and and like you and I both strongly believe that that it's good, right? Bitcoin is good. Uh, so um, the issue though is that now it's just Bitcoin. And you have like a different community there and the community there is potentially less interested in directly engaging with regulators and they're less able to point to softer, more like New York Times friendly examples of what you can do with Bitcoin, right? Um, Bitcoin itself sort of exists as a, as a, an exit option, a way to, to exit the traditional financial system. It, it's, it's optionality for the population. Uh, not, you know, it doesn't like enhance the existing like infrastructure, right? Um, so it's harder for Bitcoin, right? Now that it stands alone as proof of work. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of narratives around like, well, now that ETH has proven that it can go proof of stake, does Bitcoin have a future? We're already sort of starting to see this, this play out a little bit on Twitter. Um, and, and I think like, so I think there's two two big things here. The first is that with Bitcoin, there is always going to be a major struggle anytime you run into regulatory forces. Because like you said, the public goods argument becomes way harder, right? It's literally a non-sovereign money. So uh, 
it, it's not easy to convince a sovereign nation that a non-sovereign money needs to exist within that sovereignty, right? Like that's a tough argument to make. It has to provide some value for the people, the, the companies, the, the generally the government, right? Right. Like every part of that has to be like positively impacted or you, you know, you pay regulators. Um, one or the other. And with Bitcoin, it's harder to do the latter as well. You can't, you can't have as much lobbying and all this kind of stuff for Bitcoin specifically. The way it would have to come is from Bitcoin mining companies who, from the way I'm looking at it and understanding, aren't like super financially, uh, uh, forward looking <laughs> or solvent. Um, so yeah, it's like you gotta do, you gotta either do lobbying or you gotta be so, uh, you got to be providing so much value for the jurisdiction in which you're trying to operate that like they just, they're kind they kind of have to have you or want really want to have you. Um, and um, with Bitcoin mining specifically, it's like with Bitcoin, right? You can probably make that argument with Bitcoin, um, with Bitcoin mining, you really can't. And with the properties of Bitcoin that you want, like you said, you can achieve most of those things with, stable coins, um, or with not the, not the store of value, not the, not the non-sovereign currency, right. Which, which, a, a sovereign nation might not want anyways. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a it's, hard thing. And the way that I see it is, is, um, well, okay. So do you want to talk about some of the counter arguments? Like in my view, right. The way I see this playing out is that Bitcoin mining companies, A, have to get much more aggressive on the policy front. They also have to, uh, like Nick Carter is doing a good job of this, but like they have to provide like counter arguments for why some of this is actually FUD. Um, and, uh, you know, like point to some of the, like, you know, like the natural gas, like flaring and all that kind of stuff that's, that's happening in some parts. Like there, there is a lot of, uh, you know, energy that is not like coming from renewables with Bitcoin mining, but some of it is. Um, and so it's kind of like a, there's a couple things that need to happen here. Um, but I don't really see any other route. Do you? I mean, um, look, I think, uh, I think usage of energy, you, you can argue as a form of freedom, right? Uh, like free, free choice to use energy, how you, how you desire. And, um, it's kind of un-American to, to have any notion of like preferred, like, yeah, you can subsidize certain uses of energy, but you can't just like penalize others, right? You can't like outlaw uses of computation to begin with, right? Like that, that's absurd. Uh, and so I don't think there's any way. Well, can't you say that about oil and gas and coal industries that we regulate the shit out of them? We regulate the shit out of the, um, the production, right. Uh, and the environmental impact you can have on the extraction of energy, uh, and on the use of, uh, like fossil fuels to create, to generate electricity as a result. And we have a lot of regulation around the prices that those companies can charge. Uh, you know, there, there's, there is a fair amount of regulation involved in the energy value chain. Um, but in terms yeah, of but actual that, usage, right. But doesn't that say, is that come down to like a production capacity limit? 
pretty similarly. Like, like for example, like if we all off rocking, right. Um, then, you know, I, I see it differently. I see it as the production, uh, or yeah, the, the generation of electricity, right? Like that, that whole part of it is like highly, highly regulated and it has to be like for environmental reasons, like the profit motives are just not aligned with, uh, societal and like stakeholder motives as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so isn't that kind of the same argument? Well, no, then it's like, okay, we have this energy. How are we going to use it? And, and saying that like, you're not allowed to use it in a certain way is like, just not, you know, that's not going to fly. Right. Um, I like, imagine if you said that, like, you know, you're not allowed to use, um, you're not allowed to light your homes at night, you know, uh, like people would, people would be kind of outraged or like, imagine you're not allowed to take a road trip. Like we don't let that happen. Right. Well, what we let happen is, you know, charging higher gas prices increasing, you know, taxes in, in states where, where they want that to happen. But, but energy as a whole is a commodity and it, you know, its usage can't really be regulated that way. I, I think under existing frameworks, I mean, I'm sure you could, right. Um, but I, I just don't see that flying with, with uh, the DNA of our country. Hmm. Whereas like, yeah, China, I... like you actually can ban mining, right. Because China, like everything is state controlled. Right. Uh, and, and this right to do as you please is just not guaranteed whatsoever there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's, that's the issue there. Okay. Got it. Got it. I, I see the, I see the difference there. I do think that, uh, yeah, I, I see, I see, the, I see like the difference you're pointing to. Um, I think that a lot of, I don't know, like I see, I, kind of feel a little bearish on uh, Bitcoin mining in America, um, at least, you know, for kind of the short term, like next few years. What do you think? Um, uh, what do you think it looks like? Like, how does how does the bad case play out? Uh, well, okay, so first of all, they haven't really done anything right now. Like, that's important to state. They haven't actually done anything. Um, this report was just statements, right? And even then, like, not you know, like not uh, too definitive and not too fact-based, many of them. Um, so at this point, I, I don't know, but like, I don't know. I, I don't really see them banning Bitcoin mining. I see them maybe like implementing price controls or implementing like making it really like a price control hard to on, operate. Like a price floor on electricity utilized by Bitcoin mining operations. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not hard for your local like energy provider or, you know, wherever, like a, a local government to know where the most energy is being used and stuff like that. Right. So they can, they can figure that stuff out pretty easily. Um, that's the most bearish case. I think, like you said, the way this country operates is not really that way. Like we have free energy markets, right? So um, I don't really see like a whole like large scale policy coming from the federal government. That just seems pretty outlandish, but I don't know. Like, like I said, like the, the reason I was pointing to the oil and gas thing is like, and again, literally knowing nothing about policy. I, just, you know, <laughs> it seems like these are battles other industries are fighting and that, that is something that's on the production side, right? They're literally, they have to dig into the ground um, and, and like mine natural resources, right? 
the thing is, you can make the argument that just like the energy already exists and we're just using it to mine Bitcoin, the natural resources already exist. We're just, I don't know, causing uh, environmental accessing. harm to, to access them. Yeah. So, um, so in, yeah, the difference is like in the externalities, right? Um, well, no, that's that, that's the argument that people are making, right? Is that the externality here is that all of this energy is just being wasted. It's literally just being wasted. And, and again, I don't agree with it. I absolutely don't agree with it. I'm just saying, I'm just laying out the bearish case. You asked me, what is the doubt? Like, what is the most bearish case you see here? It's like, this is the bearish case I'm seeing. People come um, in and, and I don't like, really seeing it. That, like you think, so you think local authorities come in and control capacity to Bitcoin mine at a like local municipality or state by state level. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like uh, either it's either it's yeah. Like kind of like price controls, uh, limits on usage, things like that. Um, I don't know how it would be implemented. It seems like certain states would just not be down with that. Um, especially states that are like, you know, like very like energy, that have low energy prices. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like they, I, mean, I think they like, really uh, want that. I, I think when, when you look at like Bitcoin mining, this is part of what is so interesting about it as a, as an activity is that it's not really locally defined, right? That you can change municipality. You, you can change where your miners are. It's kind of a hassle, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, broadly speaking, it's just computation. It can happen anywhere. Yeah. Wherever is yeah, most so, advantageous, that's where you wind up mining. Right? So the crux of this this is that I actually think this would be more bearish for like America long term than it would be for Bitcoin. Actually, I think it would be very very bearish for Bitcoin short term, and uh, whatever neutral for America short term. Short term meaning like the next few years, um, but long term Bitcoin will definitely survive. It will just all this mining. Uh, capacity will just move to other countries that are maybe like El Salvador or like Mexico or other countries that are more I mean, supportive. Hyd- hydropower, right? Georgia has quite a bit yeah, of hydropower. Yeah. It's a great place to mine Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. The country. Canada, uh, right? Not, not to say, yeah. Canada's, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Canada's mm-hmm. cold. It's Iceland, I know, is massive. Iceland with yeah. the geothermal and like it mm-hmm. had been, I think, a bigger spot for Ethereum mining. And, you know, you got to wonder like if there were long-term power purchase agreements that are going to look mm. to to Bitcoin miners as well. Um mm. I wonder what is going on in Russia with regards to Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining in general. There were always like random, like weird stories and rumors you'd hear back in the day. Um, but I wonder. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Uh, I guess we don't know. Anything I'm about sure. Anything yeah, I'm sure about. nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, specifically with Russia. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What else? Can I, okay, can I so- give a quick aside? Mm hmm. People always talk about Bitcoin um, and the um, total usage of energy for it um, to power like a, a financial network without, I think, really thinking hard about the traditional financial system and its usage of, of mm. energy because it's yeah, yeah. much, much, much higher. And mm-hmm. the waste there is like, you could argue, like way less... Uh, like uh, the, the participants don't care if they waste, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the incentives are way, way more poorly aligned in the traditional finance sector. So at yes. BlackRock, right, we had desktop computers sitting in our offices, right? And uh, in, the SF, in the SF office, 
you know, I, I was a hardworking employee as a young, as a young lad. Um, and so I would come in on the weekends to, to get a little work done. Right. Um, because our remote work system was just garbage. So you, you come into the office on a weekday and everything is like pretty well air conditioned, which like, it really doesn't need to be in San Francisco, but like we're using, you know, we're all wearing suits. So like the whole office has to be refrigerated. Um, so you got that to begin with. And then you come in on a weekend and they don't have the AC on and you start to realize this building is way, way warmer than any of the surrounding buildings. Like you never had AC in your apartment there and it was fine. You mm. don't have AC in Blackrock on a winter weekend and the building is mm. like 85, 90 degrees. So, and so everybody comes in in shorts and t-shirts. And it's like, why, what, what? like, why is it so warm? So, okay. So to your point, the energy they, usage we argument. Left the, we left the desktop computers on all weekend and the monitors with branded screensavers. So the screensavers were branded with like the flavor of the month, like Aladdin brought to you by BlackRock. We love, you know, we love our clients. And every monitor in the entire office building was just on all weekend. Um, and like we started using these compostable cups for our coffee uh, or compostable coffee lids, which are, you know, a whole other problem. But like, you know, you'd email, like I emailed like the head of ESG. I'm like, can we please stop turning the branded screensavers on <laughs> at least, uh, at least on the funny. weekend? Right? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, before we get into literally every item on the desk at, uh, the Blackboard <laughs> offices, um, to your point, energy usage is a subjective thing. Value is a subjective thing. What people care about, what people ascribe value to, what people are willing to pay for is completely subjective. Why do I have a plant here? Why do we have televisions? Why do we have computers? Are these valuable things? Do they require energy? Yes to both. So in that sense, Bitcoin is a, a free market object and it does use energy to exist, literally to exist. That's the fundamental premise of how it works. Proof of work is how Bitcoin will survive for the next hundred years. Physical hardware is required for it to exist and survive. That's the fundamental premise of the thing. So what, how much value to ascribe to that is literally why there's a free market, right? Um, people, yeah, like you said, people don't think about just gold mining think like the i i can see why like blackrock and like the the financial system the fed like they 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 provide different services it's like not a one to one like all of blackrocks and all the buildings they have like versus like just bitcoin right but just think about gold mining gold into the ground how much energy that uses how bad it is for the environment and uh, the i mean don't even want to get into the like uh, human uh, whatever kind of labor. Yeah. Whatever kind of like labor is being yep. used to mine the gold. Um, so just that like very, very comparable kind of argument there is just, it's, it's never brought up. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Bitcoin forever, baby. Yep. Um, Okay, there was a second part of this report, yeah, uh, or a second full report. Do you want to get into this a little bit? Uh, yeah, so so you may remember earlier this year, uh, our buddy uh, Joseph Biden, um, he released a request uh, for all federal agencies to prepare reports on uh, on digital assets, how they're thinking about them, what kind of policy frameworks they want to put in place, um, and you know, the request was for each agency to submit its 
uh, report on digital assets in general. Um, so the reports have come in. America has voted. Um, and, no, we haven't, we haven't voted. Uh, we don't. America has not voted. Um, but, uh, uh, the White House has sort of collated them into a report on on digital assets in general. Um, did you get a chance to read it? I absolutely did not read the report. I read <laughs> the threads of the report. The threads are pretty good. Well, we can link a good one in the uh, in the show notes. Um, but basically, there's there's kind of a not, it's it's quite it's pretty much a non-event, right? Uh, there, I would say five percent of the report is just talking about like Luna and UST without have without naming it explicitly. It's like the risks that so-called stable coins may present to you know to our to our financial safety, right? Um, and so you know. There's a lot of just like rhetoric around like, we need to have better consumer protection. We're going to work on having like better safety mechanisms in place. Uh, you know, we, we're going to like have a task force to think about regulation. Right. Um, but, but really there was no like real action. Um, and it's kind of to be expected when you have like such a broad sweeping report. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I would say that there are like a couple of places where, um, where people are getting concerned. Right. Um, so the first is that this is like a huge amount of time, labor, and expense that's been put into producing this, and that uh, and like we're all hoping for good, sensible regulation, right? Like everyone, uh, most people in the crypto space are, right? Like the vast majority of people in the crypto space want clear yeah. regulatory policy in a sensible format, right? Um, uh, so that like it de-risks like the regulatory risk. Um, mm-hmm. This kind of is bearish because this is a huge amount of time, effort, and expense put into something that provided none of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's not great. We, we don't love yeah. we don't love that. Um, yeah. The uh, the second of like three things that I think we should talk about is um, just on like you know counterterrorism financing. Um, so there was no real like explicit mention of uh, of tornado cash sanctions or North Korea or whatever. Uh, but there, there was some language that started to make you a little bit worried about like, you know, like for example, bank secrecy acts. Uh, so the, the report sort of points to them and says, we're going to think more about whether or not we should rewrite them explicitly. And we rewrite the bank secrecy act and like related laws explicitly with digital assets in mind. Um, so this can be good or bad, right? The bank secrecy act today says the government is not allowed to go to your bank and get your records without a warrant. Right. Yeah. Um, we like that. Right. Um, the, the, the issue though, is that like the banks have to collect the records. And so is this going to point to a world where MetaMask has to KYC everyone? Mm. And, like, you're not allowed to interact with any contracts that have any non KYC participants in them. For example, Uniswap pool, are we going to have Uniswap pools where it's only KYC enabled participants? Are we going to have a KYC chain? Um, and this is something that they talk a a little bit about on empire. Um, and Santi from empire, uh, thinks that like, absolutely. We're going to have a KYC chain. Mm -hmm. What what do you think? Do you think we're heading toward that world? Oh, dude, I've been saying this for forever. There's going to be a compliant chain and a tornado chain. Um, it's, uh, I mean, there's, there's no way around it. Like at some point the regulation will come down from some big, big entity to start censoring transactions from okay i don't know i'm i'm more mixed on this now than i was like a month ago after seeing all the things that coinbase has said uh where they'll basically just step away 
um, as a, as a validator. So the dream here is that we get, uh, all these big players just stepping away and the validator set becoming way more decentralized going through these, um, kind of like third parties. Like, so I don't know what Lido will look like post merge. I'm assuming you can still stake through them though. Um, so ideally, you know, if that is what happens and we don't have the compliant chain and the tornado chain, we get, uh, these players that would have to start censoring transactions, just leaving the ecosystem and, uh, the validator set becoming way more decentralized. I don't know though. I'm a little more 50, 50 now than I was a month ago. A month ago, it was like hundred percent compliant chain kit, like KYC chain, tornado chain. We'll have both. Now. I don't know. Um, um, I mean, my fear, my fear is not on the censorship end anymore. Okay. Um, my, my fear is that we live in a world where, um, like it's illegal to use Uniswap. Um, and why would it be illegal? Uh, that like, we get a law passed that says like, look, we don't know who your counterparty is and therefore that's illegal. So, you know, money transfer rules or whatever, right? Like yeah, yeah, apply, okay, apply to every American citizen where American citizens are no longer really allowed to participate in DeFi or NFTs. They did mention uh, exchanges and NFT marketplaces in particular as areas of concern for them. Like is open yeah. to KYC everyone. Um, right, right. You know, we, and this is something somewhere where uh, like a pseudo swap or a similar technology helps right? Because it is directly on chain. Um, so that's what I mean. Like, I think a lot of the stuff like will, like you can have most of this stuff be directly on chain, right? And even like, if you're not using, using MetaMask, you can still have your own, your own wallet interact with contracts. Note, yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's a little more, um, difficult, cumbersome, but you can still operate. My, my fear is that we wind up in a world where it becomes illegal to send an Ethereum transaction. Yeah, that would not be a good world. Um, but, you know. Hmm. Like, that's the only way you can really implement a KYC chain, right? Like, if all of this stuff is on chain, then, like, we're living in this middle world, right? We're living in this middle ground where, like, okay, like, the front end has to, like, censor you or whatever, or they, they have to be OFAC compliant. But, like, you can fork the code and run it on your own computer. It's, like, pretty straightforward. It's, like, four lines of code, right? Um or you can run your own node if, like, one of the nodes is censoring you, or, you know, Infura is censoring you. Um, but, uh, and so for me, it's like, okay, like, we'll never get a truly KYC chain unless we pass laws where I, as the person sending the transaction, like, am breaking the law if I do XYZ. And using Tornado Cash is a good example of that, where today, mm -hmm. if I use Tornado Cash, I can be penalized with, like, fines in the millions of dollars and decades in prison. Um that's the kind of world I don't want to see. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't think we're going there, but that, you know, that's the nightmare. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that, well, the tornado cash lawsuits will also say a lot, I think, um, yeah. on whether or not you can sanction certain contracts and things like that. Um, I think that'll set a precedent. Um, the way I see, okay. Thinking, just talking through it, thinking about it, I think what will be more likely is that the regulation comes down in the future at the application levels on basically like companies that are interacting with these contracts on behalf of customers, right? So pretty similar to the world that we live in now where Coinbase, for example, would have to be responsible for the activity that happens like going through Coinbase 
but not Uniswap or MetaMask, right? Because they're providing software. Yeah, I mean, um, Uniswap or Coinbase is already responsible, right, for people. Using so that's what I'm software. saying. So, like, I think in the future, I could see OpenSea getting K, like, imp- having to implement KYC. Um, I could see, yeah. So, like, I could see stuff like that happening at the marketplace level. At you know, at the other like application I mean, Uniswap is layer. marketplace as well, right? But it's just a contract. Uh, so I mean, when you submit your, when you go to, you know, when you go to Uniswap and it tells yeah. you what the price is, like, I want to sell one ETH, how many USDC can I get for that? Like all of that is, is what, that's the equivalent of like OpenSea telling you what the floor price on a certain collection is. That is true. But can't you interact with Uniswap's contracts and protocol without ever going on their front end? Yeah. Because uh, you yeah, do the same sure. with OpenSea, you can't. No, right? because their order book is stored on a on a centralized. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. So. Uh, so you know, swap, pseudo swap, like where where you can interact directly with the contract. Like today, you're allowed to kind of, except for mm-hmm. you know, cash, where you're not allowed to interact mm-hmm. with an address whatsoever. Um, do you think we wind up in a world where like? It, the bo- like the where the pressure is on the consumer now, uh, you know what I mean? No, it won't be. I don't think so. I okay. think it will be on the like corporations that website to try their best. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like I don't, say, think, like, I don't I can, think we're heading to that world either. But if we if we take the need for like if we start to apply the same bank like information collection and secrecy laws to crypto, um, mm. it doesn't work, right? Because these contracts can't collect KYC because they're just contracts. Yeah, so that's um, what I mean. Like anything that is a contract, like it's just like what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, so the the only way yeah. you can try to uh, implement the same regime is to make it illegal for the user to interact with contracts directly. And don't yeah, yeah, yeah. illegal to interact through right, right. Ends, I see those front ends um, the gatekeepers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah. And I don't think we're going to go to that world, right? But yeah. Uh, okay. What else was interesting about the support? Uh, the last thing, CBDCs. Classic. Um, um, I'm glad to report that we're in a world now where I feel like just about everyone agrees that th- this is a terrible idea. Um, and I don't think yes. that was the case a year, year and a half ago. We were seeing a lot more rhetoric around like the U.S. is falling behind China, right? This was like the, maybe it's just the nature of like the people I'm interacting with today are a little more sensible about these things. And the people I was interacting with a year and a half ago mm. were, were coming at this from the traditional finance mm. macro yeah, perspective. Yeah, I think you were working at a hedge fund a year ago and are yeah, no yeah. longer. Uh, uh, an equities <laughs> hedge fund. That's the, that's yeah, the, yeah. the key thing. Mm. Um, oh, wait, you weren't at 3AC? Uh, <laughs> uh, they weren't hedged. <laughs> they were just a fund. True, true, <laughs> true. Fund. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, they seem pretty like, here's, here's what they're doing. Um, they're, uh, first they list like all of these good reasons, like, you know, CBDC, it can facilitate financial inclusion, cross-border transactions, further technological innovation, environmental sustainability, like financial inclusion, yeah, equity, uh, like economic growth, stability, cyber risk, sensitive data, illicit financial transactions, right? That we don't love that one because that's basically censorship uh, is what they're pointing out or like monitoring um, or surveillance. Um, 
But uh, so they list all these like good things that a CBDC would provide. Um, and so they've uh, they've developed policy objectives for a U.S. CBDC system. Uh, mm. and, and so um, uh, to support the efforts to advance and work on a potential U.S. CBDC, the Treasury is going to lead an interagency working group to consider the potential implications, leverage cross-government technical expertise, and share information with partners. Uh, so the Fed, the National Economic Council, the National Security Council, uh, the Office of Science and Technology Policy, uh, and the Treasury, they're all meeting regularly to discuss progress and sharing updates on CBDCs and other payment innovations. So they're setting up a working group. Uh, we've heard this one before out of literally every institution in the world, but there's a digital asset. The working group. Yeah. Love yeah. the working groups. <laughs> Basically means nothing is going to happen for at least three more years. Which is like not the worst case outcome, right? It's the best case outcome. <laughs> Just keep kicking the can down the road, which is kind of yeah. like the, the, the takeaway from this entire report, honestly. Just kicking the can down the road. That's the MO here is like, yeah, kick the can down the road. Uh, well, at least it's CBDCs, decisions, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, and look, like on CBDCs, why, like, I think everyone, like, I, I feel like we don't even have to say it, right? Like all of our listener bases aligned that like, it's not good. Uh, like that we don't want to live in a surveillance state that like, it's, it's not okay. We'll never use them. Uh, you can't make us eat the bugs. Right. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and like also that like how the fuck is the Fed going to pull this off? They don't have the technical expertise to do any of this. Uh, who's going to pay for it, right? If it's not like if it's a public blockchain, then we lose all notion of privacy. But if it's a public blockchain, it you know it's permissionless. They're definitely not going to make it permissionless if they're just running a ledger. Like that's not how they interact with with the population. They interact with the population one level abstracted, and then the banks interact with the with the actual consumers. Uh, that's just how it's going to continue working. Um, but, uh, you know, more to come from FedCoin, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. It's just, yeah, it's so dumb. So dumb. We uh, don't need to talk about this. Yeah, we, we never need to talk about this. Uh, well, but, I, but I would like to I would like to make a bet, right? Uh, okay. What happens first? Okay, ready? CBDC or... A presidency with a female president and a female vice president. Oh, wow. I mean, the second one will take many decades. Uh, so, but we think the first neither... one will literally never happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, the CBDC will happen. It will just look like many versions of USDC uh, just living coexisting CBDC. not like but that's the, what is a classical cbdc it doesn't exist fed like, ledger is not where thing. the consumers use it that tracks individual consumer balances yeah that's just not going to happen in america okay um, so the second one yeah it's the second one i guess i think second one uh yeah i think it happens um in the year 20 i don't know 2669 <laughs> Uh, I think 2669. Wow. That's I'm not, okay. Not 650 years. Yeah. I was thinking closer to like 50 years. Um, it's going to take 50 years to even attempt the, the CBDC. Oh no. I'm saying within 50 years, we have a female president with a female vice president. I agree. I think so too. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, last little bit, our man, no Yeah, dude. Turns out he's going to be the female 
president because he is just on on the run. Nobody knows where he is. He's going to come back different gender. Um, what is going on with Del Kwan, bro? He's not in Singapore. He's not in Korea. He is MIA. <laughs> Okay, okay, so we got, uh, first, first things first, Doquan, and this kind of went unnoticed with the merge news, because it happened right around the same time. What? Dude, what? this was everywhere I was looking. Wait, really? Uh, everywhere I, on TL, bro. We have different <laughs> TLs. Everyone on your TL is talking about stable coins. The merge. Everyone on my TL is talking about Doquan and, like, uh, Digi Daigakus. <laughs> um, so, our boy Doquan, um, is, uh, there's an arrest warrant for him in, in, South Korea now. Um, mm -hmm. Singapore has said he is not in Singapore, which is where we mm. all thought he was, right? Um, Do Kwan has since tweeted that, or has since, yeah, he's tweeted he is not running. He's not on the run. He has a desire to maintain his privacy and he is cooperating with government authorities. We're in full cooperation. We don't have anything to hide. Uh, Do said in a tweet thread responding to reports that Singaporean officials said he is not living in Singapore. Well, this is a real bummer, right? Because I'm going to Singapore in like a week, uh, and I was hoping to have like a little, a little, a little run in, you know? Yeah. Say what's up to my man Doe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, Doe. Uh, I just hope you didn't make too many or take too many loans from the mafia. That seems like something you probably want to avoid. Um, yeah. Just speaking from people I've heard about. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think we did a decent job. Uh, Pretty decent. Well, that was our crypto recap for September 17th. We'll be back next Tuesday with the merge part eight. Oh, no, no, no. We won't do that. Um, we'll be back gotcha. next Tuesday with a deep dive <laughs> on something. We have to figure out what our podcast is about now uh, that the merge <laughs> happened. Real uh, identity crisis. Uh, yeah, can we maybe do, this can we do data Ethereum availability? Fair. Data availability? No. Um, maybe Ethereum Fair, bro. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. We can do data availability, sure. Is that even a thing now? Does anybody care? Does anybody need data availability? Um, these are the questions. Yeah, these are the questions. What was the project called that was getting all the hype? Celestia. Um, Celestia, yeah, yeah. They haven't launched yet, right? December. One token. Yeah, one token. Uh, when they launch... Um, what maybe about we should, wait, maybe we should wait and cover it when they launch. Yeah. But what about Cosmos? Gino. We should do well. Yeah, Cosmos. Cosmos is, doing, Cosmos is Cosmos having is a moment now. Doing Cosmos two, Adam two point Yeah, exactly. Uh, to try to improve the tokenomics. Yeah, so know, we should like, talk about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, should we wait until they announce the tokenomics? I think they have, right? I think they've announced what? Adam two I just what? don't think it's happened yet. Yeah, it's uh, just been announced. It hasn't happened. I think it's happening next month or this okay. month maybe. Okay, yeah. that sounds like a good. I think it's very pertinent to discuss Cosmos. Yeah. It's a very yeah. interesting ecosystem. It's Cosmos season, except a token will never go up. <laughs> it's not financial Cosmos advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good the rest of your weekend. See you in a few days. Till then, stay decent. None of this was financial advice, legal advice, investment advice, or any other kind of advice. Uh, if you're looking for advice, you are definitely in the wrong place. Uh, until next time, stay decent.